Hello everyone and welcome to Physician Assistant Study Session. I'm your host McKenna Morgan and this week we'll be discussing coronary heart disease. Alright everybody, welcome back. And I really do mean welcome back. It has been a while since we last chatted. I started working And as for those of you who will get your first job, those few first few weeks get a little bit hectic. I had the best of intentions of getting cardio finished before I started working, and it just didn't happen. So, got a little bit of a curveball, but here we are getting back on track. As I mentioned, today we're going to be talking coronary heart disease. So basically, we're going to be talking heart attacks and things like heart attacks, and pretty much everything on the heart attack spectrum. Uh, Because it's a spectrum, I'm going to kind of change how I'm talking about things a little bit. It's going to be a bit segmented, but also we're going to kind of play it through as if we have a bit of a scenario. And we're going to just kind of see how it goes. Hopefully it's not too choppy. As always, if we like it, let me know. And if we don't like it, let me know, pastudysesh at gmail.com. So that's that. We'll just see how it goes. So without further ado, let's get on with our questions. Which cardiac enzyme is most sensitive and most specific? And these are your troponins. What is the gold standard in diagnosis of stable angina? And this is coronary angiography. Name one drug that is prescribed status post MI. There's several to choose from. Beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, aspirin, nitrates, and statins. Okay. So kicking off with kind of the overlying disease as a whole coronary artery disease. Atherosclerosis is the number one cause, and what this leads to is the formation of a fatty streak. And what happens here is that there is a lipid deposition in a white blood cell. That's the first step. Risk factors here, diabetes, smoking, hyperlipidemia, hypertension, male gender, age, and this is defined as greater than 45 in men and greater than 55 in women and family history. And basically what coronary artery disease leads to is kind of a supply and demand problem, which is what I want you to keep in mind as we go through this entire discussion. All right. So stable angina, kind of the smallest problem of the day. Patients here will describe a chest pain that is substernal. It's poorly localized. It's more of a pressure may radiate to the arm, teeth, or lower jaw, typically brought on by exertion, therefore relieved with rest. It may also be relieved with nitroglycerin if they have it. If not, we'll talk about that later. And these episodes typically last from one to five minutes because these patients will rest. But by definition, it's less than 30. Just know that stable angina 
can no longer be called stable if it's greater than 30 minutes. Okay. These patients may present with what's called Levine's sign. And that's when you put your fist over your sternum, a clenched fist over your chest. That is Levine's sign. Diagnosis. There's a lot of, way to, lot of ways to diagnosis. Going from just simple to most complicated. Start with an AKG. Those are easy peasy. Diagnosis of this would be ST depression. However, this is normal in about 50% of patients. So we move on to stress testing because remember their pain is brought on by exertion. So if we stress them, we might be able to bring on their symptoms and therefore their ischemia or ischemic like symptoms. So we can do a stress EKG in which point we may be able to see the ST depressions there. We can also do a stress echo, and we can do this in patients even with baseline EKG abnormalities because it helps localize the ischemia. We can also do um, pharmacologic therapy with a stress echo. And basically you're thinking about this when exercise is contraindicated. And this is really, you know, you can think about all the lists of things, but it's really common sense. If you have someone who is an incredibly frail person that could fall or could have a syncopal episode or just anything that you're like, I would not want this person walking on a treadmill by themselves, you would probably opt for pharmacologic therapy versus exercise stress testing. Pharmacologic therapy in a stress echo is using the drug dobutamine. This is what's called a positive inotrope, and it increases the force of the heart contractions, which therefore increases oxygen demand. Another test we can do is called myocardial perfusion imaging. This is using a pharmacologic drugs such as adenosine or dipyridamol. And these are vasodilators, which makes sense because it's a perfusion test. So we're going to use vasodilators to see where perfusion is. A uh, little note here, this is, test is contraindicated in asthmatics. Um, in terms of stress echoes and the myocardial perfusion imaging, putting that kind of in the low area of things you need to know, but I think I still find them worth noting. The big, like, what I want you to know here, and it's bolded in the show notes, is coronary angiogram. Coronary, heart, angio, vessel, graph, or gram, meaning right. It's a gold standard. This is where they go, and they get pictures of all the vessels. They can see everything, and they can see the little occlusions and all that. Gold standards in general are typically the tests that gives us a definitive picture. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We know exactly what's going on. I will note that gold standards are not always the test that's used in practice. They are not always um, the safest test. They are not usually, they're usually pretty invasive. You know, this one um, requires some radioactive dye. Um, but if a test uses the word gold standard, 
this is what I want you to think of, coronary angiogram. I will say in practice, we actually do use this a lot. Um, so this one defines the anatomy and is the definitive diagnosis for stable angina. Okay, makes sense? Gold standard coronary angiogram. All right. Treatment slash management, statin therapy. Um, statin therapy, we're going to talk about this more with hyperlipidemia because there's a lot of algorithms for this. Uh, for now, just know that it helps stabilize lipid plaques. Heart attacks are more caused by plaque rupture versus progressive occlusion. Um, so this is just helping prevent that. Nitrates. Nitrates are venodilators. So they help increase the blood supply to the heart. They're used for the acute pain. They're used every five minutes, and the patient is advised to go to the ER after three doses. Uh, note here is that uh, caution with the use of PDE5 inhibitors, such as sildenafil, also known as Viagra. I think it's important to know about nitrates. Know that contraindication. Uh, you may also prescribe them beta blockers. These reduce demand. So they're known as a negative chronotrope, it slows it down, and a negative inotrope because it decreases the force of the muscle contraction. May also consider a calcium channel blocker, specifically the non-dihydropyridines. These are the verapamil and diltiazem drugs, not the typical calcium channel blockers that all end in dipine. These are different. Uh, what these calcium channel blockers do is they decrease the vasospasm, so therefore increasing supply. And they also decrease heart rate and contractility, so again, decreasing demand. Again, think of this whole thing as supply and demand. Uh, calcium channel blockers, with exception for two diseases later, are for those in which beta blockers are contraindicated. Okay. Um, patients with stable angina will also be given a... Aspirin. This doesn't help with supply and demand, but it helps with platelet aggregation to prevent acute coronary syndrome. I think you'll see this in practice a lot and a lot of questions around it. So I think hopefully this is a lot of review for those of you who are uh, getting close to reviewing uh, for the pants. Okay, so you have this patient with this like, diff not diffuse, um, non-specific pressure, chest pain. It's not specifically sharp, but it's more of a pressure. And now it's greater than 30 minutes. You've already gotten your EKG. So you're looking at it and they didn't have depressions, but do they have ST elevations? No. Let's check their cardiac enzymes. You're going to get three sets every eight hours. We're checking specifically here creatinine kinase which is used for muscle breakdown marker, so it's nonspecific. You'll find, we'll talk about creatinine kinase probably eight times throughout this podcast at least, as well as troponins, and there's lots of different types of troponins, but just no troponin. Most sensitive and specific. Troponins are most sensitive and specific for MI. Great. All right. So now your EKG is negative for ST elevations, but positive for cardiac enzymes. This means you have an NSTEMI. 
which stands for non-ST elevation myocardial infarction. Okay, that's cool. But let's say you don't. So you have no ST elevation, you have negative cardiac enzymes after 24 hours, but they had chest pain for at least 30 minutes. That means you had unstable angina. It doesn't matter. The treatment for those two are exactly the same. Treatment for unstable angina and an NSTEMI is exactly the same. And it is MONA, which stands for morphine, oxygen, nitrates, and aspirin. And I will say, this is where I got a little bit confused on how to present this information because in practice, a patient comes into the ER and they complain of chest pain and they automatically get MONA initiated and they get an EKG and you order cardiac enzymes. So they all, all get done within five minutes of them entering the door. Um, so again, this is a test if you're on paper Things are a little bit slower. It's just different. So, again, I apologize. But just know, unstable angina and STEMI are treated the same. Mona. So, again, not in this order, but oxygen. Nitrates, assuming they, if they haven't already had them at home, they're going to get them again. Aspirin. It's a full 325 dose or 324, depending on what you have. Chewed. Chewable. They're also going to get beta blockers. You're going to start them with heparin therapy. That's it for now for unstable angina and NSEMI. Mona, beta blockers, heparin. Okay. You're also going to assess them for what's called a TIMI score. I'm going to skip it. If you really want to learn about it, you can read it in a book. But it basically talks about how, if they're at risk for a STEMI. But frankly, it was not worth my time to memorize. And I thought there were other more important cardio things for me to memorize. So I didn't, and I'm going to skip it here, and I recommend you do the same. Okay. We're going to recap, so hold on. And the beauty of podcasts is that you can reply. All right. So, backing up, let's pretend that you had this patient. They've had chest pain for 30 minutes. You get their EKG back and, and their cardiac enzymes because you got them at the door at the same time because that's how life works. And they had ST elevations. That means they have a STEMI, ST elevation MI. All right. So ST elevations are defined as greater than one millimeter elevation in two contiguous leads. You may also have reciprocal changes in opposite leads. Additionally, a new left bundle branch block is a STEMI equivalent. Remember, this is a carrot in V1. Okay. When I go through these slow, I uh, how I memorize this, yes, I use the word memorize because, well, there's only so much logic I could use to it, is um, learn where the stickers are placed on your patients um, if you don't already. So anterior is in leads V1 through V4. And if you look at where those stickers are, they're on towards the more, towards the midline, but definitely the anterior of the heart. And I just, I recommend looking at a picture. I'll try and post one in the show notes if I can figure that out uh, for you guys. And I think it, it, that, thinking about where the leads are placed on the patients really made this make a lot more sense. So an anterior MI, 
is in leads V1 through V4. And this is associated with the left anterior descending artery. A lateral MI is leads 1, AVL, V5, V6. Remember, V5 and V6 are all those leads way over on the side. And this is associated with the circumflex artery. Now remember the circumflex, it's like it's going around the side. Around the side, around the lateral side. Anterolateral is a combination of those two, in that it's leads 1, AVL, and then it's 4 through 6. Inferior is 2, 3, and AVF, and it's the right coronary artery. And a posterior wall is leads V1 and V2, and you're like, what? V1 and V2 are covered in anterior, but they are anterior depressions because the stickers for V1 and V2 are not near the posterior wall. And remember that EKGs, if it's a positive direction on the current, that means that the electricity is traveling towards the sticker. But it's not, it's the posterior wall, so it's going the opposite direction. So these guys will have ST depressions. Hopefully that makes sense. ST, ST depressions, posterior wall, V1, V2. I'm going to repeat those again because I think they're important. I think you should know them. Wink, wink. Anterior MI leads V1 through V4. And that is associated with the LAD, left anterior descending. It's also called the Widowmaker. It's very common. Lateral is leads 1, AVL, V5, V6, and it's the circumflex. Anterolateral leads 1, AVL, V4 through V6. Inferior is 2, 3, and AVF. And I remember AVF is towards the feet. I think of inferior and feet. And it's the right coronary artery. And the posterior wall is depressions in V1 and V2. Treatment for STEMI. Everyone gets Mona. Everyone gets heparin for anticoagulation. And these guys get reperfusion ASAP. Within 90 minutes is the goal. And that's why we do all this crazy stuff right when they get in the door. Uh, percutaneous coronary intervention, which is called PCI, is preferred. This is also called PTCA. You may see it as that. It's called percutaneous transluminal coronary angioplasty. Um, those are the same thing. And that's like saying I'm going to go in and put in a stent. That's all that that means. It threw me off. doesn't need to throw you off. Uh, both of those things are preferred over thrombolytics. Uh, thrombolytics are drugs that lice means to break. Thrombo means clot break clots. Um, they're tissue plasminogen drugs that end in to plays, such as altiplase, and they dissolve the current clot. 
These are only used if PCI is unavailable. Um, and they ha also have logical contraindications. Um, there's lists of them everywhere. Again, don't think worth memorizing because there are things like, have they had a recent hemorrhagic stroke? Is there suspicion that they have an aortic dissection? Are we worried that they have any other sort of bleeding? Well, then we're not going to give them a drug that breaks clots if we think that they're going to be bleeding anywhere. Do we think they have abdominal bleeding? Do we think they have head trauma? Have they recently had head trauma? Do they have active internal bleeding? Um, use common sense. Don't bother memorizing the list of contraindications. Not worth it. Okay, um, cabbage criteria, coronary artery bypass graft. Remember that the PANTS does not use acronyms, so you may see coronary artery bypass graft. This is criteria that I think uh, you probably should know-ish, be familiar with at least. Uh, greater than three-vessel disease affecting the left main coronary artery. Note that this is not the left anterior descending. I said the left main. The left main is more proximal in the heart. Or that they have decreased left ventricle ejection fraction. Those are your cabbage criteria. I think the biggest one that I see, uh, at least in practice questions, that there's greater than three vessels affected. That's usually a big one to say, go get a cabbage. So, that's treatment for STEMI. When I say treatment, I mean this is what is resolving the problem right now. Management for STEMI, aka things they go home with. Bands. There's two A's here. Beta blocker. Remember again, decreases heart rate and contractility. Aspirin, but baby aspirin. ACE inhibitors. These end in pril or an ARB if they can't uh, con um, tolerate an ACE. Nitrates, if they didn't already have it, because they may have had stable angina before. And a statin. Again, we'll talk about statins later. Statins all end in statin. Those are easy. So those are the big, like, things we really think of as MI. A couple kind of still on the spectrum, but a little bit different, uh, called Prinz Metals angina. And this is more a disorder of vasospasm versus a direct occlusion. This is associated with Raynaud's and migraines, which I want you to start getting in your brain that these are also disorders of vasospasm. Uh, patients with Prince metals angina will have transient ST elevations, but without MI. So their um, enzymes will be normal. And their ST elevations will go away. They're transient. However... If the vessel stays in spasm for so long, it can lead to an MI. Uh, this pain is also described as non-exertional chest pain. It's a little bit different too. Treatment and management for this, calcium channel blockers. These decrease vasospasm. Remember that, decrease vasospasm. All right, last topic here. And it's actually not even on the blueprint. I'm adding this in here, but it's really close to Prinz Metals Angina. And it came up a lot during my studies, so I'm throwing it in here because I'm the podcast host and I can do that. So 
So uh, is cocaine-induced MI. Uh, similar to Prinz metals in that it's transient ST elevation, again, without MI, but if it continues, it could lead to MI. However, so how this works is that cocaine induces vaco vasoconstriction through alpha-1 stimulation. So treatment here, also calcium channel blockers because we're the disease of vasospasm. They're going to get nitrates. We're going to consider benzodiazepine, but we're going to avoid beta blockers. I don't think it's critical for you to remember the whole alpha, beta, how it contributes to um, vasodilation and constriction. But basically what happens is that if we take out the beta receptors, then we have only alpha constriction and we're going to make it worse. So just, just know avoid beta blockers with cocaine-induced MI. Okay. So recapping that treatment. Just like Prinz metals, they're going to get a calcium channel blocker. Just like everybody else, they're going to get Mona because that's part of the protocol. We may consider adding a benzodiazepine, but we're going to avoid beta blockers. Okay, that was everything. I felt it was a little bit choppy, but hopefully that made sense on the whole. Again, feel free to email me with questions. That's, you know... I'm, I'm all ears. I'm an open book. Literally, let's go ahead. We'll get through our questions and our takeaway points, and we'll go from there. So, what is the first step in plaque formation? This is lipid deposition in a white blood cell. Which artery is associated with ST elevation in leads V1 through V4? I know this is a kind of a secondary question. It's the left anterior descending. Remember that those stickers V1 through V4 are all along the midline. The left anterior descending. Define Levine's sign. This is a clenched fist over the chest. All right. Five takeaway points from this crazy episode. Number one. ST elevations are defined as greater than one millimeter in at least two contiguous leads. Number two, post-MI management are bands, beta blockers, aspirin, ACE inhibitors, nitrates, and statins. Number three, everyone who gets in the hospital gets Mona and heparin. So Mona with an H basically. STEMI adds ACE and reperfusion. Prinz Metal adds calcium channel blockers. Cocaine adds calcium channel blockers, subtracts beta blockers, adds benzos. So again, everyone gets Mona with an H. STEMI adds ACE and reperfusion. Prince metal adds a CCB. Cocaine adds a CCB, subtracts a BB, beta blocker, and adds a BZ for a benzo. Okay, that sums up this lecture as a whole. Number four, nitrates are contraindicated with PDE5 inhibitors. And number five, 
stable angina is less than 30 minutes by definition. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in after my nearly month-long hiatus. Hopefully everything made sense today. I know it was a little bit different format. I am all ears for any feedback and questions. Shout out to Sarah, who took her pants this last week and gave me some awesome feedback about the podcast. I'm not kidding. That made my day. Um, Obviously, she's probably not listening anymore because she's taken her boards, but uh, fingers crossed. I know she's in that painful period of waiting for results, so hopefully she tells me when she passes her boards. Um, So best of luck to her. Um, Like I said, please send me an email for questions, comments, concerns, pastudysesh at gmail.com. I will have show notes, resources, links to episodes, everything on my website, pastudysesh.blueberry, and that's blueberry with no E's, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, dot net. You can also find us on Facebook at pastudysesh. I'd also like to thank Lee Rosevere for the use of his song Tech Toys and Curiosity as the intro, outro, and question portions of the podcast. And next week, I think I'm going to go ahead and talk about the vascular disorders just because it's a little more um, of an easier topic to digest. And then we'll probably switch over to either um, lipids or hypertension just because they're a little bit more heavy, uh, heavy episodes. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, like I said, looking forward to you guys' feedback. Let me know. We're uh, growing slowly but surely. So please share us with your friends. Um, shout us out on social media. And um, anyway, I look forward to hearing from you guys. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week and are starting to enjoy some summer weather wherever you are. I actually am starting to retreat where I'm at. It's over 100 degrees. So enjoy you guys, and we will hear from you next week. All right. Bye, guys.